Hello, Jenny. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you for coming on the show today. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Oh, no problem, no problem. Now, Jenny, we've had a lot of people on the show just talking about interesting things and, you know, things people don't know about. Um, but um, we have something that today that you're going to be talking about that I don't think too many people are going to, they, they don't know too much about it. Um, so uh, just enlighten us about um, your topic today. Um, so today I wanted to talk to um, you about what it's like to be a mom to a child who is considered critically ill um, or terminally ill. Um, those are two different aspects, but they're so similar. Mm -hmm. And a lot of kids that are critically ill um, still can be considered terminal without the actual label. Okay. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to talk about what that, um, looks like and feels like, um, and kind of hopefully to talk about it, to help some other moms that may be out there that are struggling, um, because it's hard to find moms that can, you know, relate to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, before we get forward, what's the difference between critically ill and terminally ill? Okay, so critically ill is usually an illness that is going to affect um, changes in your life. Um, it can be anything from like epilepsy, diabetes is considered critically ill. Um, so an illness that's going to really um, redefine your life. And then terminal um, means that there's a life expectancy on it. Mm -hmm. And some critically ill kids, um, like my daughter, um, do have a life expectancy. Um, however, once they beat it, then it's like, are they terminal or would you consider them critically ill? And my doctor and I've had a, a lot of conversations on, um, how to kind of label this cause it was a shock for us all. Mm -hmm. um, an amazing one. Um, and we decided, you know, to take off the terminal label and, uh, put that on the back burner, um, because she beat her life expectancy and she is now labeled as critically ill. Now that's kind of gotta be hard to, you know, you have someone, uh, the doctor tells you, okay, you're, you go from critically to terminally, and then now you're just waiting for the, you know, the clock to kind of run out. And then when it doesn't, you pretty, you get pretty excited about that, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, the best thing that um, ever happened was when my daughter turned 13. Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, turning 13 is like, oh, yay, they're finally a teenager. To me, it was she just survived mm -hmm. when they said she wouldn't. Yes. So her life expectancy was 12 years. Mm -hmm. So when she turned 13, it was huge. Yes. Absolutely huge. And it was, I, I will say, I definitely spoiled her a whole lot more on that birthday. <laughs> uh, so may I ask, what, what um, illness does your daughter have? Okay, so she has quite a few. Okay. Um, so she has pseudocolonic inertia, pseudocolonic obstruction, intensial colonic obstruction, toxic megacolon, and then lazy colon. Gotcha. Now, what are some of those? Because I'm not a, the, as smart as some people think, so I don't even know what the, a lot of those are. 
colonic inertia is extreme, extreme, extreme constipation. Mm -hmm. That means that for some reason, the colon is kind of slow. Um, and it causes the constipation. So that's where she gets that from. The obstruction is when the inertia becomes so bad that she gets impacted. And that means that there is no movement whatsoever. So as she's eating, it's just piling up. And that is very dangerous Mm -hmm. um, because it varies. um, But she could go septic within a matter of days. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be two weeks. And then um, the rest of it, the toxic megacolon. So in order to treat all of these issues, we had to put her on huge amounts of laxatives. Mm -hmm. The treatment that she was on when she got her surgery was catered specifically for her. Mm -hmm. So there's very little information on what we're actually doing to her. So laxatives can cause a lot of issues. And one of that is your body can become highly addictive, which is why, like, um, if you have an eating disorder and it's known, they try not to put you on laxatives because there is eating disorders that involve laxatives. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to go from one eating disorder to another. Gotcha. So her body is completely addicted to it, Uh, meaning there's no way her colon will ever function the same again. And even though she's doing better, that is still the case. It will always be this way. Um, Lazy colon is one of the first things she got diagnosed with, and we kept it um, because that's a motility disorder. Most of these are motility disorders. Mm -hmm. There is a, it's called DTP, and that is digestive tract paralysis. So all of these fall under that. Um, Lazy colon is just really the the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, of it. Um, Usually that's the first diagnosis when you have um, a colon disorder. And we decided to keep it because even when she gets better, her colon will never properly work the same. Gotcha. 70% of her colon is dead. Gotcha. The nerves do not work. Okay. They did a nerve test, and um, we could see it. She was awake during the test, um, and we can see it on the graph. And they showed us what to look for, and um, I kind of knew right away. I was like, this doesn't look normal, you know. And I kept looking at the doctor, and he was just kind of shaking his head like, this is it. Um, And that happened in Indianapolis after she had a lot of doctors (laughs) look at her. And we finally found a surgeon here in town. And then um, that surgeon got us to Indianapolis. um, where We got to meet Dr. Crawfee, who's one of the most amazing GI doctors. It's a research hospital down there and they are phenomenal. The research that they're coming up with now is incredible. That's crazy. So with everything being, um, with everything just being blocked up, that's what made her, that's what they decided to uh, put her in the terminal category? Yes. So um, because of the obstruction and the intensial, so the intensial also affects your digestive system. 
So everything works together as a team, your digestive system, your colon, and even your bladder mm. all work together as a team. So when one fails, they all kind of start to have like a domino effect. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, she has had multiple um, UTIs and stuff because of this um, and bladder issues and has to go through doctors as well for that. Um, and some people even have to have um, most of their colon removed and their stomach shortened. There's so many different things that they do. She's very lucky that the intensial which is really the the more terminal aspect of it is very i'm trying to think of the right word it is is really functional mm-hmm. um there are things that she cannot absolutely eat because she can't digest them mm-hmm. but there's not as many as there are with someone who just has that diagnosis gotcha. um, and the main reason is they cannot keep any food down any food any liquid it comes up um, which then, of course, affects the colon because there's nothing in the colon. Mm-hmm. And so they get, um, if stuff get, ends up getting through, they get a blockage right away. Gotcha. And that's crazy. That's just something I've never even thought about um, just happening to someone, you know. Um, it's, it's just crazy. And it's, and it's so, um, what is it? It's like an undercover illness too, you know. It's something people wouldn't even know about. Um, exactly. I, a lot of parents, and this is probably something I've talked about all the time, is in society, if you don't look sick, you're just not sick. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm epileptic and you can't see that. You mm-hmm. can't see that I'm epileptic. However, you see me in a seizure and you'll know. Yes. Um, for her, when she was little, you could tell. Mm-hmm. Um, her belly would get very extended yes. and she would look pregnant. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um now as she's older um and she's got more muscle to her and stuff it just to be honest it just looks like she's just put on some weight Mm -hmm. like it's not as um rounded as when she was little and as noticeable um to be honest if you didn't go through this with me you wouldn't know Mm -hmm. unless you looked at her stomach because she has a tube in her stomach gotcha you just you wouldn't know and she's very happy mm-hmm. she is a normal kid mm-hmm. and so i think what people think is okay well you know she doesn't act sick and i i mean i get that all the time mm-hmm. um i've gotten it from just about everyone i've ever met well you know she doesn't act sick that does not mean that she's not sick nine times out of ten she will hide her pain Mm-hmm. because she does not like to be sick and she does not like people knowing and she wants to do things mm-hmm. and she knows hey if i'm in pain mom is not gonna let me go roller skating with my friends mm-hmm. or i won't if i keep having issues and keep having blockages mom's not gonna let me audition for this show because we can't commit to it mm-hmm. and so then a lot of times she hides it yes and, and a lot of kids do isn't it crazy how people think you know uh if you have a sickness or an illness you're supposed to just stop living you know they just expect you just to just kind of just stop and just don't do anything and just worry about your sickness (laughs) yeah absolutely um i used to get from like my peers all the time they would be like shouldn't you be at home with her 
well, Karen, <laughs> um, I would love to be home. However, I'm a single mom and these medical bills will not pay themselves. Mm -hmm. So no, I have to work. Mm -hmm. I, uh, she has to go to school. We have to figure out a, a balance and it's really, really tough. Fortunately, I have always had good lucks with my daughter's teachers mm -hmm. who have gone above and beyond. Um, when she was at Springfield Christian Academy, mm -hmm. they, had packets that they would give to me and um we could do it on our own on our own pace they even went so far as when she was living in the hospital we couldn't guarantee when she'd be at school or not to have her work part-time mm -hmm. um and tri-city has been just as amazing i was very fortunate in the nurse at tri-city mm -hmm. she was a godsend she knew a lot about gi and she, anytime my daughter came in, it was like my stomach hurts. The first thing she did would be listening to her stomach, feeling around, seeing if she can feel any impactions. She was great. Um, and because of that, I felt more comfortable her going to school. Mm -hmm. um, because for a long time, we had a homeschooler. Yeah. Um, it, as much as I loved SCS, I can't afford to send her with that tuition. <laughs> part-time yeah <laughs> um so it made more sense to, to homeschool her um and so she did that for three or four years gotcha now when we were uh setting up the interview and stuff you also said that something about make a wish too so um did your daughter have to go did she sign up with that I, i'm not for sure how you get uh with that program but did she have to sign up with that program with um since she they consider her terminal um, yes. So here's the thing that a lot of people don't know about Make-A-Wish. Make-A-Wish is not just for terminal. They take critically ill. Mm -hmm. So for instance, um, they take everything case by case. And so they look at your case and they see the impact that it's had on your life. Um, there has been people I've known that were diabetic and like really bad diabetics that got a Make-A-Wish. Um, if I had, if my parents had known about Make-A-Wish, I could have had it when I was a kid for my seizures mm -hmm. because my seizures were so bad. Um, so it's not just for terminal, it's for critically and terminal. And how we actually found out about it, I knew a little bit about it, but when she was living up at St. John's, mm -hmm. and I say living because she'd be up there for about two weeks, she'd be out of the hospital for a week and be back in. And we did that for over a year and a half, maybe two years. Might have even been longer. It kind of stretches, but um, so she, she pretty much lived there. Mm -hmm. And you get to know the staff and the nurses and the doctors. And one of the nurses um, came in and my daughter um, was put on suicide watch. Um, we were very concerned. Uh, she wouldn't talk. Um, we, the nurses tried everything they could just to even get her to smile. And she just, I think she had enough. Mm -hmm. And one of the nurses was like, have you ever thought of make a wish? And I said, I don't think she'd qualify. And she goes, you would be surprised. And she started talking to me about it. And I decided 
I would love for her to do it. However, not when she, her life is like this. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. knew that someday she was going to live a normal life. It may not be what society considers normal, but what I would consider normal. Mm-hmm. I knew that she was going to beat this. Um, and that she is going to have a future. And I wanted to save her wish. Mm-hmm. That was my goal for her. I didn't want someone to come up to the hospital. When you're that dependent on a hospital, you can't travel. Mm-hmm. So any wishes that included travel, those are out. The only thing you could do is wish for like an object or like, you know, uh, some people do like PS4s or Xboxes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I talked it over with her and she she was like, I don't want any of those things. I want an experience. Mm-hmm. And so we saved it. And when she was about 12, um, she had just had her, she was her second year after her surgery. So it took about two years for her surgery to work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. once it started working, she started being able to go to school. We enrolled her back in school. She started having friends. She started doing theater. And I decided it's time. Mm-hmm. And I called up Make-A-Wish and they sent paperwork to her GI and her pediatrician and all of her specialists. When I say they do a lot mm-hmm. of paperwork, they do a lot of paperwork. So the doctors had to fill out tons of information to see if that she qualified. And we had to wait a while. I think it was over a month before we heard back and um, she had been accepted, which was amazing. I cried. I was so ecstatic for her. It was a great experience. That's good. That's good. So is she all, is she all right now um, or does she still deal with the illness? Um, she will always battle this illness, sadly. Um, it's something she will have for life. Mm-hmm. Um, we would love to see her get off of her tube, but reality is she probably won't. So what we concentrate this part of her life is getting her, you know, prepared and trained for when she's, you know, not at my house and mm-hmm. she can take care of it on her own and for her to learn the signs and know when she needs to get help um, for when she's older and in college um, and things like that because she's had it for so long, but it was when she was little that it was at its worst. Mm -hmm. So sometimes she's like, when she gets a stomach ache, I'll ask questions and she's like, oh, I wouldn't have even thought of asking that. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. it's because I've had to go through it so much with her and I heard the doctors what they would question and what they would ask. So I kind of knew what to ask. And that's kind of what we're working at on now. And also just to, I mean, mental health is a huge issue with kids with that are critical or terminal. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It is a lot for any kid to deal with that. Yes. yes. And it takes a, a toll on their mental health. And sadly, Joe, there is very little resources for kids that are 
um, you know, battling depression or suicide. Um, for instance, Lincoln Prairie, mm-hmm. there is no doctors that come in and do her treatment. So she can't go to Lincoln Prairie. Mm-hmm. She cannot not have her medicine that keeps her alive that long. Um, so she can't go. Mm-hmm. The only place that she can go is in Peoria. They have a mental health um, hospital inside of a hospital, mm-hmm. which means the doctors can come in and they can do it. But when I live here and she, if I put her in, you know, Peoria, I can't see her. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's devastating that if it ever came to that, I couldn't be there. At least at Lincoln Prairie, I could make the visiting hours. Yes. Um, I, I can't say I'd be able to in Peoria. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that this state really, really lacks. Yes. Is mental health period. But for kids with critical and terminal illnesses, it's almost unheard of of them getting the the help that they need. Yes. Um, because yeah. some of the medicines cause constipation. Mm-hmm. So it's a risk. Every yeah. time I give her a antidepressant, it's a risk. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it shouldn't be that way. It should be, there should be alternatives that we can do, places for her to go to, and really kids that she can talk to. All these kids are isolated. Yes. Us yeah. as parents have to do that. We look evil. I get it. Mm-hmm. Why can't your kid come out and play? Well, your kid's coughing. That's why. Yep. Oh, it's just a germ. Well, a germ has a huge, huge impact in our life. Mm -hmm. COVID was probably one of the scariest moments I've ever gone through as a mom. And I've seen her almost on her deathbed. But I had never been as terrified of a germ as I was during this pandemic. And she got it twice. Yes, and, that's, and both times were horrible. Yes, and that's how my my parents were. Uh, my sister is uh, uh, mentally disabled, and she they were just like, nope, no one can come over and visit or anything because you know mm-hmm. she was really, um, ex- she she could get it really easily and things like that. So I completely understand with this pandemic going on. Oh yeah, when I made the choice to send her back to school, I had nightmares for weeks um and the only reason why i sent her back is because i saw her mental health deteriorate all that hard work Mm -hmm. went down the drain because she was isolated from her friends she was isolated from her own family um i was you know even concerned when my brother would come over and bring my nephew Mm -hmm. I was always terrified that some way, somehow it was going to happen and I would lose her because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, that didn't happen. Um, I don't know how this happened, but she got it twice, literally like 92 days apart. That's crazy. It was. It was insane. Uh, we both got it because obviously um, I am not going to steer clear of my daughter who is ill. So I did the 28 days and I think it was like, it wasn't too long that I started showing symptoms. Mm-hmm. 
you know when all you can do is hold your kid and someone tells you said please stop hugging her like you're epileptic you're gonna have all these seizures and i said it's worth it Mm -hmm. absolutely i i cannot not comfort her Mm -hmm. um i it's in every parent's you know (laughs) bag of tricks is what we pull out when we can't do anything for our kid but cry and hug them then that's what we do. Yep, it's just part of our gene pool. So to have that kind of taken away was really difficult. We'll have more of the story right after this. Now, what what advice would you give to parents with um, kids that are critically or terminally ill? Um, the basic thing is find your team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't just mean doctors and nurses because that's stressful enough, especially when you have stuff that's rare. Like my daughter's condition is very, very rare and mm-hmm. have the combination that she has is very rare. Um, so a lot of doctors ignored most of the symptoms and was like, you know, if she only goes to the bathroom once every couple of weeks, she's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, she's not. <laughs> um, I think anybody who doesn't even have a doctorate can tell you that that's not accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, to find your tribe of people that you can lean on, you have to have a good support base. I had people like, why do moms put their kids illness on Facebook? Well, two reasons. One is it creates awareness and lets people know that these illnesses exist, what it looks like, that we need a cure, that we need to figure this out, and it gives it a face. Mm -hmm. So if someone told me, hey, have you ever heard of someone with pseudoclonic inertia? I'd be like, nope. But now I do. Mm -hmm. I have my daughter, and that's the face for me. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's very important because we need awareness so that we can give them the help they need. Awareness creates more funding. Yes. So cancer, it gets pretty well funded. Mm -hmm. Not really the rare ones, but I'm talking breast cancer gets funded. Leukemia gets funded. Why? Because there's been faces. Mm -hmm. There has been talks. You have seen you know, countless children go through it and adults go through it. But when you have something that's rare and there's no face to it, there's no awareness. No one's talking about it. Yes. Research hospitals love to do research, but they are going to do research on something that brings in money. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. What is going to bring in more money? What is going to help more people? It, It comes down strictly to Hospitals are a business. Pharmacies are a business. The drug industry, it's a business. Yes. And so I learned I had to play that game. Mm -hmm. You just, you really have to play the game. And part of it is getting their story out. And that's one reason why I work with Make-A-Wish because it allows me to do it in a more happier way, Mm -hmm. I guess, because we're talking about the wish and the illness. Yes. So it's, it's combined. So it's a little bit happier than everyone seeing posts of my kid struggling in a hospital or a video of her crying, saying she's in pain and having to ask for prayers every single day for years on end. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the second thing that I will say is you can't do this alone. So Facebook groups, mm -hmm. you're not alone in. You have someone to talk to. You may not know the person. They could live halfway across the country. But there has been people I haven't even met in real life that have sent her goodie bags mm -hmm. or cards, stuff that helps her get through it. And then they're like, Mom, if you ever need to talk, I know you don't know me, but here's my number. And it's it's also your family and friends. You'll you'll be surprised how many family and friends you lose when a loved one gets ill like this. Mm -hmm. It's really sad. Yeah, and it's it's um, it's because it's a you know it's a lot of work you know, and some people they just don't want to be there to help you, um, you know, help you out with that you know. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And they get sick of hearing about it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They're like, do you ever talk about anything else? And I'm like, mm, no, not really. Mm -hmm. This is my life. Yes. Like either take it or, or leave it. And I always try and do it in the most upbeat way possible. I remember a, a video I did. Um, my parents had gone out of town and my dad does a lot of my daughter's treatments. Mm -hmm. Um, because I break down and cry and, and she doesn't always need that. Mm -hmm. Like when there needs to be tough love, I am not the person. And so it was always my dad. Well, they went on vacation and I say within a day she was impacted and I could not get her medicine in her tube. Mm -hmm. um, my dad had been struggling, but he's very strong and can get the oil that needs to go mm -hmm. in that teeny tiny tube. Mm -hmm. And so I reached out to Facebook and was like, does anybody have any ideas? Like, I've already been told I can't water it down with water. Okay, what's my next? What can I do? And out of the blue, a friend of mine, Rachel, she's hysterical. She came up with a brilliant plan. And she goes, well, if you can't mix it with water because it dilutes it, can you mix it with another laxative that she uses? Huh. Hmm. I don't know. Let's try. <clears throat> Called my doctor. My doctor's like, that's actually genius. I don't know if it's going to work. You can try it. And so we made this like funny, cute video. And I mean, I hadn't slept in days. I did not look good on that video, <laughs> but we kept it upbeat. We laughed the whole entire time and we're like, look, we're not even doctors. And we figured this stuff out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so I try and keep it as lighthearted as possible, but you can't always do that. Yes. Um, you just, yes. there are so many moments that I broke down. Um, if it wasn't for my friends, um, and I had like my best friend, Joe and Sabrina, both of them, I could not have gotten through it without those two. There was many times that, um, uh, Sabrina was the only one I trusted to watch my kid for me mm -hmm. because she trained right along with me on how to take care of her needs. That is an amazing friend. Mm -hmm. um, my friend Joe spent so much time at the hospital with me um, so that I could work. And she would stay the night and she would, there was times when she would be there the whole entire stay and not leave except to go get us food. And she'd come right back. Mm -hmm. Um there was so many times that both of them I had called crying hysterically. I'm like, I don't even know what's wrong. I'm just breaking down and I don't know what 
I'm even breaking down about. And they would just sit there and they would listen and they would tell me everything's going to be okay. And I need that. Mm-hmm. Um, as tough as I am, and I hear it all the time, I've had lots of people be like, you are so strong. And I would just want to laugh because it may seem that way to everybody else. But mm-hmm. at night, I am not strong. Mm-hmm. There's so many nights, even now, that I just cry because I, I cry about, you know, the time that I that my daughter lost. Mm-hmm. She lost most of her childhood. Mm-hmm. She didn't get to do the fun things. And if it really wasn't for Cynthia and theater, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think I even told you this one time during rehearsal, uh, um, theater saved her life, hands down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it saved mine. Um, she wanted, she was really, really sick. She had the surgery, but the surgery wasn't working. The Mm -hmm. tube, the meds, everything failed, completely failed. Um, Her surgeon had no clue what to do. We were in talks of, you know, doing the most drastic thing, which was take her colon, shorten her stomach, give her a feeding tube for life. Mm -hmm. That was our plan. That's not a plan. That's a horrible plan. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, I called Hoagland because my daughter loved to do makeup yep. and, and, and on me. And she was always talking about it with like the nurses and she was very artistic. So I called Hoagland and I told them the situation. And um, I can't remember who I talked to. It might've even been Gus. I can't remember. I think it might've. Um, and they got me in touch with Cynthia who was doing Dr. Doolittle at the time. Mm-hmm. And Cynthia emailed me and said, we would love to have her work on the makeup team. And so she became Gwen's makeup assistant for that show. And at the end of the show, at the end of the run, after tech week, I was exhausted. How she wasn't exhausted. We're not used to this. We Mm -hmm. weren't theater people. (laughs) And at the end, she was just glowing. And she goes, mom, I want to do this. And they said, okay, let me talk to Cynthia. And she goes, no, I want to be on stage. And I was like, can you even sing? <laughs> like, I had never heard her sing. Uh-huh. Not kidding. She had NG tubes down her throat most of her life. So, mm-hmm. of course, I had never heard her sing. And we also don't know if it did any damage to her vocal cords. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so, I'm like, I don't know. And... So she started singing Annie and my first reaction as mom was like, okay, everyone sounds good to Annie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, okay, but it's a good start. She, she was on key. Uh-huh. She was on pitch, you know, she's seven, eight, somewhere around there, mm-hmm. you know, it, maybe it'll get better. And she worked her butt off. She wanted vocal lessons. We got her into vocal lessons and that really started, um, her her path and the change I've seen in her mentally and physically mm-hmm. is amazing. And I think Cynthia can even tell you to watch from the beginning of when she saw Kristen for the first time mm-hmm. versus now, it's a huge improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were there were issues. Yes. Uh, 
to to having a kid that was critically ill. I had to be at every single rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Um, I never left her side. For years, I didn't leave her side. It wasn't until I think um, 13, and I only left her side because I was in Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. That was rehearsing at Hoagland at the same time. That was the only reason why I wasn't fully around for that one. Um, but like she has a tube in her stomach and at the time, um, and into the woods, especially, um, it was a really long, it was 10 inches catheter that we would wrap around and tape onto her stomach. So it was bulky. It falls out. Mm -hmm. Um, and she had an instance where it, it fell out, um, during a a show night Mm -hmm. And I remember um, someone panicked, and it was one of the kids, and they came and got me, which they're not supposed to leave backstage. Mm-hmm. Um, came and got me right away. And I went in, I was able to, and the kids um, were absolutely amazing to her. Mm-hmm. They were so scared for their friend. Mm-hmm. Absolutely scared for their friend. And um, they weren't grossed out. Mm-hmm. Um, they just knew that their friend was sick and they wanted to help. And at the end of Into the Woods, she had a horrible, um, like relapse. She got really impacted. We had to leave strike and go to, uh, the hospital mm-hmm. and believe it or not, she did the show. Mm-hmm. She was impacted in pain, um, when we were getting ready, she was in tears. She was in so much pain. And I said, look, no offense, honey. You're a tree. <laughs> and you're a goose. Like, we don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. They will understand. And she was like, no, I am doing this. I was like, okay, all right. And she did. And she was, and I wanted to take her straight from strike. Like, I didn't even want her doing that. She goes, nope, I'm going to finish with my friends. And so um, we stayed until, like, the dinner was over. And then they all signed a shirt that said Team Chrissy on it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. everyone that is part of Team Chrissy, our support system, has signed a shirt. And, um, I mean, now we have, like, three shirts. Mm-hmm. There's so many of them. But, um it was, it was really awesome for her to be like, there's actual kids on this shirt. <laughs> and kids wanted to come visit her in the hospital. And I had to explain to them, I was like, I love that you guys wanted to. Um, however, this isn't something that you want to walk into a room. Our room will smell. She will throw up the whole time. She will be sitting on a commode the whole time. It's not something that you can have visitors. Mm-hmm. And they still insisted. They wanted to come. Um, and, of course, I, I told them with regulations and stuff, how they were with her, that it just wasn't possible. But the fact that they wanted to do that, that was that was amazing. And that was the first time she had real friends. Mm-hmm. And I, Growing up, she didn't have friends. Yeah, and I think theater kids, I mean, I, I've done a couple of the junior shows with kids, and, you know, the, the kids there, you know, kids can be mean, but... Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, but in doing theater, uh, just the kids, they, they're so supportive of each other. You know, if somebody's having a bad day or something, they're just really, really supportive. And I'm glad she had that support team. Um, 
just there with theater and theater can bring out a lot of stuff in you too <laughs> that people just don't know and it seems mm-hmm. with, with her she really really found that there oh yeah she went into remission during the course of uh 13. i remember having to call zoe zara and being like i don't know what's happening like i think it's good i don't know what's happening um but she woke up one day and I thought maybe she was sick or, or something. Uh, but she was able to have movements on her own, which has never happened in all, you know, 13 years of her life. Mm-hmm. And so I called the doctor, the doctor's like, Oh, she's got to have some kind of virus. Oh yeah, this is bad. So we went in, we got all these tests and he comes back completely shocked. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, there's no virus. I was like, how is that possible? He goes, I don't know. I was like, then what do we do? And he goes, I think we're going to try not giving her as much laxatives. I was like, are, are you sure? He goes, yeah, let's try it. And I think we didn't do a treatment. I think the first time we had to do a treatment after that was like a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was just like amazed. And it kept like getting better and better um since covid it, it it took a toll on her colon but that was the longest that i've ever seen her healthy was about two years they were a great years but i i tell zoe um all the time i said um i just think it was your choreography <laughs> like, i think that that choreography because i sat and watched some of it was intense I could not do this stuff. How these kids were doing <laughs> these moves, I don't know. But I mean, she would come home sweating yep. and like, yeah, hot dripping mess. And I think it was really all that exercise um, that really did it. And I tell her, I was like, I think you put my kid in remission. I'm not sure, <laughs> but it's possible. <laughs> Yes, I remember doing theater and some of these moves the choreographers would have you do. You're just like, I can't do that. Then after weeks and weeks, you're like, good Lord, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking back. I, I did high school musical and I'm looking at some of the moves we did back then. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, I choreographed for Tri-City and to watch the kids go, um, from where they started to now is amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, wow, guys, you guys have a lot of stamina that I don't have. <laughs> I can I come up with the ideas. I can teach it to you. But I'm so glad I'm not the one that actually has to go up there and do it. <laughs> I have the easy part. <laughs> yeah, you just show them how to do it. And he's like, well, now you guys, it's your turn. You got to get it right, yep. too. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Well, Jenny, I want to I want to thank you for coming on to the show and just telling people your story and, you know, just being an inspiration for other people that might be going through the same thing that um, you're, you guys are going through. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It means a lot to me to to get our story out and to all the the moms that are going through this know that you're not alone and reach out on Facebook, you know, if you need anything, I'm always there. Um, and I'd be honored to be part of your team. 
Hey, that works for me. Um, hey, Jenny, could you would you like to give out your Facebook name so that people could find you if they have any questions about anything? Oh, perfect. Yes. Um, so um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Jennifer Dennison. I also have a page which I rarely keep up with, but I still get notifications on called Team Chrissy. Um, and you can find me on there and uh yeah i'm always here well that works for me hey jenny thank you for coming on thank you so much have a great night you too Hey guys, if you like The Joe Show, look us up on Facebook at The Joe Show, Instagram at The underscore Joe Show 20, and on Reddit at The Joe Show. Please leave a comment if you like this episode, and like I said, get in touch with Jenny if you guys have any problems, because like we said, you need a support group. Thank you guys for listening to The Joe Show, and we'll see you guys next time. See you later.